Good morning, everybody. I, uh, I want to give you guys kind of a couple updates before we, we get started. Um, this, this past, like, I don't know, the past couple weeks has been very um, global missions heavy on my, on my plate and on my heart. Um, and so I've, I've talked to the Pastor Andre Derienko over in, in Yaroslav, Russia, and I'll, I'll give, be giving you an update on uh, the drug rehabs um, in a couple weeks. But... Um, I, we've been sending, we've raised, just so you guys know, we've raised almost $30,000 for Ukraine, which is, and some of you are still giving to it. You're just like, yeah, I'm just keep giving to it. And like, like Pastor Tom was saying, the hardest part is just getting the money over there. We've been wiring like $2,000 at a time. And then I'm on Viber asking him, did you get the money? Yeah, I got the money. Okay, great. We'll send more. And so we've been, we've been just trying to get the money over there. They have upwards of 400 people every single night. So they have like a smaller, much smaller sanctuary, maybe half the size of ours. And like, they've just essentially taken three chairs and made them in, that's a bed. And so they, every, every chair, every square inch of the place is a bed. There's mattresses or maybe just kind of thick blankets, um, upwards of 400 people. They're every night, they're, they're, they're ministering to them. Some people that they're now coming from the eastern part of Ukraine, um, a few people are even just blind without help. Uh, nobody's actually guiding them or helping them along, but they're coming through and people that are injured and things like that. So just, just great work that's happening as they're caring for people with, for felt needs. And then they have prayer meetings every single night where people are getting saved and, uh, which is awesome. Amen. Amen. And then, uh, last yesterday I got to spend, uh, the majority of my day with my wife, um, meeting up with, uh, Kim and Josie Pensinger who um, have been missionaries for over two decades in the Dominican Republic. And they've been um, planning schools over there, um, educating and equipping and evangelizing kids and families over in the Dominican, in one of the poorest regions of the Dominican Republic. And so they have like 750 kids in their school right now. God's doing amazing things. How many of you know when you take a kid, no matter where they come from and what their past is and their economic levels, then when you give them an opportunity to rise up to their God-given potential, God can do amazing things in them. Amen? That they're not just, you know, these kids are, you know, become Christians, but how many of you know that like we have the opportunity to be raising up just world changers for their nation? Amen? And uh, so it's just been, it's been awesome getting to, getting to meet with them and, uh, and talk with them. And then next week, uh, the, Ab not Abraham, Ab many of you guys know Abraham and Molly, their, their son Emmanuel and his wife Allison Pothan from India are going to be staying with my family um, over the weekend. And uh, he'll be here on Sunday to kind of share what God's doing over in India over the long term, over two decades, we've had a strategic relationship with them. So all kinds of great global missions, things that are going on. I'm just trying to keep kind of keep you guys updated on some of those things. But next week, um, I, I'm super excited to, for you guys to be able to just hear from, from Emmanuel and hear what, what God's doing over there. Amen? Amen. So, um, well, listen, we are in a, a sermon series called Overwhelmed. And uh, I, I meant to end it last week, and I thought, well, there's one more part that, that really we should, we should hit on. We've been talking about anxiety. We've been talking about being overwhelmed by doubt, um, loneliness. Pastor Trevor talked about being overwhelmed by loneliness. We talked about worry and the dizzy bat that, you know, I brought the wiffle bat up and all those types of things. And today we're going to talk about being overwhelmed by fear. Um, because we all have fears, 
don't we? Um, some of them are normalized. Um, when I say normalized, I mean it because many people have them. And so when uh, there seems to be like a, a great contingency of people that have the same fear, then we're like, oh yeah, that's, like a, that's a normal fear, like the fear of snakes. People in here, anybody? Fear of snakes? See, it's kind of like a normal fear. Not because you've ever been bitten by a snake, but because you just, I don't know, it's been, it's fear. Fear of public speaking, anybody? <laughs> me? Yeah, me, that's just me. Um, fear of heights. Uh, we got fear of heights. Fear of spiders. How about spiders? I don't know why, but apparently those monsters are just the, the, the most dangerous things around. Um, we've got fear of needles. Uh, I, don't, I don't like needles. Uh, confined spaces, crowds. Hopefully, I don't think anyone in here is too afraid of crowds or else you wouldn't be here today. Um, and then there's these like niche fears, very specific fears. I, I looked up one. It's called, I'm, I'm going to try to pronounce it right. It's arachibuterophobia, which is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. For, <laughs> it's a real, it's a legit I don't know if it's diagnosable, but um, for which, for most of us, it's a concern, right? I'm concerned about that. I, don't, I wouldn't call it a fear, and I would say if you have that fear, just don't eat peanut butter. Like, that would be, be a good way to avoid that fear of, of that sticking to, to the roof of your mouth. Um, and then there's one that uh, I think is, is newer over the past probably decade, which is nomophobia, which is the fear of being without your cell phone. <laughs> yes, you, you walk no mo, no mobile, no mo cell phone. Yeah, you, 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 you leave the house for the day and you might have left your lunch in the fridge, but if you leave your cell phone, you better believe I'm turning around to go, to go get that thing because when we feel like I'm always like, we're, we do this, we're, we're, we're always touching ourselves like because we're like looking for the place that our cell phone is because if we don't have it, we feel naked, don't we? Um, Nomophobia is kind of a, a, of a newer thing. But the thing is, is that fears are not all bad, right? Like it's actually good for you to have some fear in your life. Some of you guys have kids that you wish had more fear in their life. Fear has probably saved your life many times. Fear has caused you to not do as much stupid as you've currently done in your life because of fear. Like fear is a good thing. And we all know what it's like to take fear to the extreme. And maybe, maybe you struggle with fear in specific areas of your life or just kind of an overarching anxiety of fear. Fear can paralyze you. Fear can cause you to be indecisive, to move forward in something. Fear can isolate you from other people. Fear can keep you from risking. And, and, and I would even just say, like, fear can keep you from just living, um, just, just going about and doing things that you you want to be able to do in life. Fear can hold you back from so many things. Um, so it's impossible to be fearless. But what I want to talk to you today about is this idea that like it is possible to fear less. And so we're going to look at a story in, in Mark chapter 4 and uh, I'm going to read it together. If you would, if you'd stand with me as we uh, open up the reading of God's word. In Mark chapter 4, it's uh, starting in verse 35. It starts out, Jesus and the disciples, it says, that day at evening, Jesus said to his followers, come with me across the lake. And so they left the crowd behind and went with Jesus in the boat he was already in. There were also other boats that went with them. A very bad wind came up on the lake 
The waves were coming over the sides and into the boat, and it was almost full of water. Jesus was inside the boat, sleeping with his head on a pillow. And the the followers went and woke him, and they said, Teacher, don't you care about us? We are going to drown. And Jesus stood up and gave a command to the wind and the water. He said, Quiet, be still. And the wind stopped, and the lake became calm. And he said to his followers, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were very afraid and asked each other, what kind of man is this? That even the wind and the water obey him. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that as we look at at these followers almost 2,000 years ago and hanging out with Jesus on a boat, I pray that we would be able to take some things and take courage maybe from you and uh, maybe fear less about the things that we do have much fear about in our day, right now, in our situation that we're in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. So I'm going to take some time and just kind of walk, walk down through this because actually I, I, really, I really love the scripture. Um, what's interesting to me is that Jesus doesn't say Come, come with me into a storm. He actually just says, come with me across the lake. It's, it's interesting to me because so many times I think that if Jesus said like, hey, come with me into hardship, walk with me into the desert, walk with me into this place that you're going to wish that you weren't. Like he doesn't do that. He just bids us to follow him into a journey that that what we find is that many times following Jesus means that he leads you through a storm. But I love the fact that he doesn't call you into the storm. He just says, come, follow me across the lake. Come with me, get into the boat with me across the lake. But so many times what we find is that when we follow Jesus, we find ourselves in the middle of a storm that he's called us into and will lead us through. Amen? Verse 36, it continues, says, So they left the crowd behind and went with Jesus in the boat. And then these words, it says this, in the boat, he was already in. Notice that it says that he calls them into a boat that he was already in. And I just, I feel like I had this burning on me yesterday that like someone in here needs to hear this word today, that God doesn't call you to get into a boat that he isn't already in. I'm going to say that because I think that somebody needs to hear that again. God doesn't call you into a boat that he isn't already in. And so if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel abandoned, if you feel fearful, alone, overwhelmed, I want you to know that your God is with you and that he's in the boat with you. In fact, he got into the boat before you. And so many times we think like we're in the middle of a storm. We're like, God, I need you in this boat with me. God, I'm inviting you to to come and be a part of this this, this debacle, everything that I'm going through. And he's like, I I actually got in the boat before you. I, I invited you into this boat with me. Do you not think that I'm going to lead you through it? I am with you, I am for you, and I see you. And so if you feel abandoned, just know that he doesn't invite you into a boat that he isn't already in. That's what I love about this story. It's like he gets into the boat first and then he bids them to come with him. Come, come across the lake with me. 
He's already in the boat. Verse 37, all of a sudden this, this bad wind comes up on the lake. The waves were coming up over the sides of the boat, into the boat. It was almost full of water. They're almost capsizing. And it's this reality that having Jesus in your boat does not mean that your life will be storm-free. Sometimes we think, well, if I just accept Jesus into my life, then all the mess and all the things and all the hardships and all the troubles and all the, all of the trials, all the temptations, all of those things will go away. It does not mean that all of a sudden you're going to just look 20 years younger and everything's going to be perfect and your marriage is going to be restored. It just means that he's in there with you in the boat that you're in and he will lead you through it. That's the beauty of what Christ offers them. And so what I want you to understand is like, Jesus, these are his disciples, they're in this boat. I have no idea how big this boat is, but I do want you to remember that Jesus chose some very seasoned fishermen as some of his followers. So, so some of these guys, they're not just kind of like these carpenters, they're, they're not electricians, they're not plumbers. These guys are fishermen, they're seasoned fishermen, the ones that had to leave their, their boats and their nets to go follow Jesus. So what I want you to understand is they knew their way around a boat. So they're, they're kind of doing, they're doing their thing. They're probably yelling out, you know, commands and things like hoist up the John B. sails and other Beach Boy lyrics. Like, I, I have no idea. Like, that's, that's my extent of sailing. And they're just, they're saying things like that. And, and, and here's my point is that they certainly didn't need help around a boat from a carpenter rabbi. They would have been like, Jesus, why don't you just lay low? Let the big boys handle this. You stick to Jesusing. And we got this until they didn't, until they didn't, until they finally came to the end of themselves and realized that the storm is too big and that they need help and that they realize that their skills are not going to save them. And it was then, and it was only then that they turned to Jesus. And I think to myself, isn't that what I do? <laughs> Is it, isn't that what, what we do? Right? We're like, I, I got this. I, I got this. Jesus, you, you, stay, to your, you stay in your lane, right? <laughs> I can handle this. This is my job. These are my taxes. This is my thing. I got this. You do your Jesusing. But, but, but I, I, I've got this handled. I, I depend on my own skills to save me. Until we don't, until we're overwhelmed, until we're fearful. And it's then, only then, that we realize that we never actually got this. We think we do. We kind of like, I, I, I got this whole thing. But I want you to understand, like, the storm was always bigger than these fishermen. It was always outside of their control. The, the, the whole time, even as they're, well, hoist up the John B. Sales and, you know, Davy Jones Locker. I have no idea what they're saying. They're like literally doing all of these things and they're trying to make sure that they, that, they, that, they, that they keep the boat from capsizing. But the storm was always bigger than them. And it was only when they admitted that fact that they turned to the one who was bigger than the storm. And it's not that different for us. Like we like to think that we have more control over our lives, Right? And to a certain extent, we do. You can plan, you can save, you can, you can, you can strategize, you, you can communicate, you can do all of these things. But what I find the older I get is that we definitely overestimate our control over things that we have no control over. 
We think like, man, I got this thing, I've got a plan, I've done all these things, and all of a sudden, the wheels come off the bus. The decisions that we made, oh, turns out it wasn't a good decision. We, we, we move in life realizing the older we get, how little control we have over what we thought we had. And we come to the end of ourself. We come to the end of what we can control. And we realize that we never really had that much control in the first place. And what we find is that sometimes it's the presence of a storm in our life that reminds us that we need the presence of God who is bigger than the storm. So if you're going through a storm in life, I just want you to say, sometimes we're like, I just, would you just calm the storm? Would you, I, just, I don't want to be in this place. I want, the, I want God to fix this. But sometimes God allows storms to be in our life just to remind us that we actually need to be looking to the one who's bigger than the storm. And this is kind of what these disciples do. In verse 38, it says, it's, it's maddening. Jesus was inside the boat. Think about this. He's inside the boat with them, sleeping with his head on a pillow. Like it's this, it paints this picture. It's not like he's just like, wow, he's just so like, it's been a really long week of ministry and he's just like sleeping anywhere. No, he's got a pillow and he's just laying down and he's sleeping in the middle of this storm and they're, they're yelling commands out and water is just washing. The pillow is probably soaking wet, which grosses me out. And they're just, and he's, he's literally sleeping through this. And I don't think he was faking it because I don't think the Bible lies. I don't think he was like, well, he was acting like it, but he was like sleeping with one eye open. Like, no, I think he was actually sleeping through this. I think he was literally indifferent to the storm that was so huge in their life. He's just, he's sleeping. And this little piece about the pillow kind of sticks out to me. I'll, I'll, whenever I read this, I'm like, it's, it's odd that they had to put in this thing. Like, not only was he sleeping in the boat, but his head was on a pillow. It's always stuck out to me. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's weird. They're freaking out, and Jesus is literally sleeping. And I don't know about you, but I, I felt like that before. Like, okay, yeah, Jesus is in the boat with me, but I'm pretty sure he's sleeping. You ever felt like that? And you have preachers like me tell people like you, Jesus is for you, he sees you, he is with you, and he loves you. And you're like, I think I get that, but what? That doesn't really seem to help me right now because I have a whole lot of um, uncertainty in my life, um, health uncertainty, job uncertainty. I've got financial uncertainty, and I, I understand, I know that he sees me, that he loves me, that he's for me, but, but I'm pretty sure he's sleeping in my boat. Have you ever been there where you're like, God, I feel like I'm doing my part here, right? But you're asleep, and you're doing nothing to make my situation any better. Because I think that's probably how the disciples felt. It continues in verse 38. It says, the followers went and woke him. They had to wake him up like, Jesus, hey, hey, buddy. I bet it was more like this. Wake up. Get up, Jesus. Hallelujah. Could you get up, please? We need your help now. That'd be great. They say to him, teacher, you can almost hear the frustration in their voice. And I don't think I'm putting that on. Teacher, don't you care about us? We are going to drown. I mean, there's, there is not just frustration. It is fear, straight up 
fear from seasoned fishermen who have done all they can of what they can control and they are now outside of their control realizing that the storm around them is bigger than them and they have to go to the one who's bigger than the storm. And they're like, do you not give a care about us? How in the world are you sleeping right now? Do you not see this? I know you're in the boat. I know you love me. I know you see me. I know you're for me. But I don't understand how, A, you could be sleeping and your head is on a really soggy pillow. It's disgusting me. How in the world do you not care? And I think just like the disciples, well, I think the reality is when we are wrought with fear, we mistake God's peace for passivity. Let me say that one more time. When we are wrought with fear, we will mistake God's peace as passivity. I think that's exactly what was going on with these guys. Because I think just like the disciples, we can think that peace will come through God panicking with me. I don't know about, it's maddening when God does not panic with me. Like, I, maybe, maybe I'm the only one who has fears, um, who stays up late at night, just circle, like, doing this thing, the spinny bat thing. Like, and you're like, I, I do not understand why this God who sees me, who knows me, who for me, who loves me, why is he not panicking with me? Because we get this idea that, like, well, the way I get peace in my life in the midst of a storm is to panic about it. And it'd be great if you could panic with me. Also, we call it pray for me. But, like, I'd love for you to panic with me. If you could panic with me. And what's really great is when God, if he would please panic with me, then I will find peace. And it's stinking frustrating when it feels like God is sleeping peacefully in a boat that is almost feeling like it's going to capsize. And what we find is that peace never comes through panic. Peace is a person. And his name is Jesus, and he's in the boat with you. It comes through him. As they're running around trying to do the things that they can do, and that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. They should be hoisting the John B. Sales and doing all of those things to stay out of David Jones' locker, and they should, try all, they should do all of those things. I'm not saying that those things are wrong, but in the end of the day, are you trusting in the storm or are you trusting in the one who is in the boat with you that is bigger than the storm? Who got into the boat way long before you? You're like, well, I invited Jesus into my life. Actually, he kind of was like bid you to come and join him. And you were like, okay. It's this crazy thing that like, well, let me, let me read it for you. In John 16, 33, this is the words of Jesus. If you don't believe me that there's peace that comes through him, he, sa- he actually says it. John 16, 33, he says, I've told you these things. Catch this. So that in me, catch that, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Storms come to everyone. But take heart. I have overcome the world. See, the hope that we have is not in the world. The hope that we have is not in the the trouble that is in the world. The hope that we have is within you when you are in Christ. He is in the boat with you. And what Jesus is showing these guys, I think he shows every single one of us. I think that every single one of us needs to come to this realization, to this place, like almost every day, that 
This God who's bigger than the storm, who's sleeping on a soggy pillow in the middle of a boat that we feel like is at ready to completely overturn, we see this God-man who is not impressed by the storm. I mean, we're, we're, we're oh my goodness, this thing, and how's this going to work out? What's going to happen here? And what if I do this, then that? What if, then? All these questions. We see this Jesus, the son of God who is actually indifferent to the storm that he's in the middle of. In other words, the storm didn't change what he was called to do. He knew exactly what he was called to do. So Jesus, I think the reason he could sleep on a soggy pillow in the middle of a boat that's literally almost capsizing with people yelling and and trying to keep this thing afloat is because, well, he saw beyond the storm. He saw to the other side of the lake. And I just want to encourage you, do you see beyond the storm that you're currently in? Can I just remind you, like Jesus could sleep in the middle of a storm because he was seeing beyond it to the final destination. He was seeing people on the other side of the lake that he knew he was called to minister to. He knew he was called to feed the hungry on the other side of the lake. And so the storm that he was in the middle of didn't change what he knew he was called to do. I want to remind you something, that God has not changed his mind about what he's called you to do just because a storm has come. And, and, and it's the temptation of every single one of us. Storms come, oh my goodness. We just throw everything up in the air. It, we, we're, we're done. We're running around like chickens with our heads cut off, hoist up the John B. Sales, David Jones locker. We're done. And God is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa just because a storm is here, I, I, haven't, I haven't changed my mind about what I've called you to do. I, I'm, I, I see through this storm. I see, I see that you walking out of this storm. Why? Because I'm leading you in the middle of the storm. Because I'm in the boat with you. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. I am right here. And I have not changed my mind. And then in verse 39, he says, Jesus stood up. And I can't even imagine what this must have been like. He gives a command to the wind and to the water. He speaks to wind and he speaks to the water and he says to it, shut up. In other words, maybe he just said, quiet, be still. And it says the wind stopped and the lake became calm. And I can't, I can't even imagine what that must have been like to hear a pin drop as immediately as the waves ceased and the wind stopped. And then Jesus looks at the disciples and asks a crazy question. He says in verse 40, why are you afraid? Uh, really? He says, do you still have no faith? And we get this sense, I don't know about you, when I read this, we get this sense that Jesus is saying, like, are you afraid? Just stop it. Just, oh, you're afraid? Just don't have that feeling anymore. Just stop the, just stop the fear thing. Just, just have faith instead. Just trust me. Why, why, are you, why are you afraid? I don't understand. And, and it's almost maddening for us, especially for those of you that maybe like you're in the midst of like a storm right now and, and God's, God's like word to you is like, yeah, just, just cut it out. Well, I'm fearful. Yeah, just you shouldn't be. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks for all that. It's great help. 
Just have faith instead, right? It's almost like we, we've got this idea in our mind that like faith is the opposite of fear. So if you've got fear, well, just, just don't do that anymore. Just, just have faith. But what we see, what Jesus is actually communicating is not, not that faith is the opposite of fear, but faith is actually a version of fear. Let me say that again. Faith is a version of fear. See, because faith and fear have something in common. They both ask us to trust in something that we can't control. Fear, we, we're, we're literally, we have no control over a situation, and so we spin out thinking that, like, if I can just panic about this situation, then I can have control over the fear that I actually have no control over. And faith is actually, well, it's fear over God that we can't control. These two different types, faith and fear. Let me read it for you in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus says this, and it's really, it's kind of a weird thing. And uh, no, We'll just read it. It says this, do not be afraid, catch this, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, rather, instead, be afraid of the one, capital O, one, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Like, I, I don't know about you, um, that's kind of a, a different way of looking at faith and fear. The Bible says that you're supposed to fear, be afraid of the one, God, to fear him. And we get all jiggy about that. Like in the Christian circles, man, we're just like, well, you just don't understand when we talk about the fear of God, that means reverence, that means awe. We, we will try to explain it away and dumb it down and be like, we're not supposed to fear God. We're supposed to, you know, God is my friend. He's my homeboy. Like all these types of things. And like you, you're, you're, you're misinterpreting this, Pastor Justin. But like what if God is saying, rather than fearing that which will affect you temporarily, y'all should be fearing the one who will affect your eternity. You didn't catch that. Let me say that one more time. Rather than fearing that which will affect you temporarily, you all should be fearing him who will affect your eternity. Because you will fear whatever you're focused on. So you could be focused on the storm, hoping that it's just gonna, it's gonna go down, it's, not, it's, it's gonna fix itself, I'm gonna be able to manage it or panic it this thing away. Or we fear the God who's in the boat with us, who will affect not just our temporary storm, but our eternity. Think about it. We've been spending the past two years kind of panicking a bit, a little bit of fear. I don't know, COVID and everything else that goes on in life, gas prices now. Think about this. Um, has your time watching the COVID death toll on CNN or the current escapades of our political leaders caused you to fear your temporary or your eternity? The storm that's going on around you, has it caused you to be more concerned about that which can kill your body or the God who affects your eternity? My concern for every single one of us, for, for the church in general, the church of Jesus Christ, is that we have become very fearful of that which can kill our bodies at the expense of fearing God who dictates our eternities. It's so quiet in here. Please don't hear me saying that the things that, we're, that we fear aren't important. I'm just saying, is not our eternity more important 
is not that more significant? Surely it is. Surely it is. Watch how the disciples react. Thank you. Appreciate that. Whew. 41, verse 41, we'll move on. It says, this is weird to me too. Verse 41. So Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves, everything, whoo, pin drop, you can hear it. Bing. Verse 41. They were very afraid and asked each other, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the water obey him. And I've often thought, I don't know, just take a look at verse 41. I've often thought, why are they still very afraid? The storm was gone. Like, why in the world are you still afraid? Like, everything's working. Like, the thing that you were like, don't you even give a care about us? We're going to drown. Jesus gets up and he's like, everyone shut up, right? And everything, And then it says in verse 41, they're still very afraid. And and they're like, what kind of man is this? And I've often thought, like, why in the world are they still? I think it's because they traded fear for fear. I think they moved from being afraid of the storm that they couldn't control to being in fear of God who could control what they couldn't. All of a sudden, they're in awe, not of the storm, of everything that's swirling around them, but of the God who is in the boat that is so much bigger than the storm, who speaks to the wind and to the waves and to the things that seem so insurmountable and so big. Because they ask this question that I think every single one of us should be asking. They say this, what kind of man is this? He's God. He's God, man. He's Superman. He's bigger than the storm. He speaks to the wind and to the waves. And he's in the boat with you and gives you peace when you're in him. I think they traded fears. I think they traded their fear for the what of the storm to the who that was in the boat with them. And what I would speak to you, church, is in the midst of all of the things that cause you to fear right now, God is saying, trade your fear for fear. Trade in the fear of the storm for fear of the one who is in the boat with you. Because it's almost as if there is this divine exchange that happens. That God says, I want you to just trade this fear for, for this fear. This, this fear for, I guess we would call it, faith. When we trade those two things in. And Jesus hints it all throughout the Gospels. I was studying this and I was going through all the times. I literally typed into like Blue Letter Bible. I was like, all the times when Jesus said, fear not or be not afraid. So I was looking down through it. And there's this odd phrase that is in conjunction so many times to do not be afraid, fear not. And it's this phrase, take courage. Take courage. Jesus spoke to a paralyzed man and he says to him, take courage. Jesus speaks to a woman with an issue of blood. You can look it up. He says, take courage. He speaks to the disciples and says, take courage. Fear not, it is I. Do not be afraid. And in John 16, this is what he says. He says, I just read this to you, but let's, let's look at the last part of it. He says, I told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you have trouble, but take heart. In other words, in other translations, it's actually, but take courage. 
I have overcome the world. I don't know about you, but I've always found that phrase to be a bit odd. It's almost as if Jesus is holding out his hand, offering us something. Here. You scared? Take courage. Here, take courage. It's kind of like it's like free for the taking. Here, take courage. To which we would respond, and I would respond, well, I was kind of like praying about that, like getting enough courage to be able to take courage. And God says, oh, no, 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 like here, take, take my courage. I'm giving it to you. Take, take it. It's encouraging to know that he gives you courage to have courage to take courage. And he just looks and he says, here, take it, but you still have to take it to make the trade. Fears for fear. And when you take his courage, the fears of this world have so much less of a hold on you. I think it's how the Apostle Paul can say like crazy stuff. Like, in the face of death, to live as Christ and to die as gain. In other words, he's like, man, I'm in a win-win situation. If this storm takes me, I die and I go to be with Jesus. If I make it through this storm, I get to live and I get to live in Jesus. I am in a win-win situation. I literally cannot lose. Because when you are in Christ, there is peace that is only found in him. And he gives you courage that you didn't have on your own once we take it from him. So as we live our life and we do our things, he's, I, I literally think that it doesn't mean that we're supposed to be fearless, that we're supposed to be just walking and never have any fears and not fear the storms and all those things. I just think that it means that when we're in Christ, we fear less. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? And, and this seems to be easier said than done from the quietness in this room especially when you're in the midst of a storm that is raging all around you. Like, how do I stay impressed with the one who isn't impressed by the storm? I want to leave you with just two things. The first one is this. I want to remind you of what I said earlier, that peace is not found in panic. Peace is a person, and he is in the boat with you. Panic is never the pathway to peace. It's found in him when you are in him. The second one is this, that don't put your faith in the storm. Don't put your faith in the storm. Don't put your faith in, the, in, in, in all the, 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 the storm that, that's going around you, whatever that looks like. Put your faith in the one who calms the storm. Because when we focus on the storm, we're trusting in the storm. But when we focus on God, we trade our fears. And so if you're here today and you can relate to these disciples and you're in a place where you're just like, man, you just, Pastor Justin, like you're speaking right to me. <laughs> I don't want to hear it, but you're speaking right to me. Like, and you're looking for peace and panic and the storm is overwhelming and you don't know where to turn. I want you to know that you can have peace in the midst of it right now in your boat because peace is a person. And his name is Jesus and he is in the boat with you and you're in him. And when you, if that's where you're at, you're just like, you know what, I, I'm overwhelmed. And you've never, 
you've never invited Jesus into your boat. I want to encourage you in something. <laughs> I think it's important to see kind of what Jesus does in this story. Is that Jesus gets in the boat and he invites you. We, we, we're like, oh, I got to invite Jesus into my life, receive him as my Lord and Savior. But so often he's the one who loved you before you even loved him, before you even knew him. Even when you hated him, he was in the boat waiting, bidding you to come with him. And if you're in that place where you're like, you know, I am literally overwhelmed. And I, if, there, if that is available to me, that courage that I can take, that peace that is, surpasses understanding that I want that in my life. I just want to encourage you. He is inviting you to cross the lake, to go on a journey with him. And it doesn't mean that your life will be storm free, but it does mean that he is in the boat with you and will lead you through the middle of it. And that you are in a win, win, win situation that you can take courage because he has overcome the world. Amen? So if that's where you're at, before we sing, I just, if, you, if you have an opportunity right now, say, you know what, I want that. If that's available to me right now, Jesus, I need that peace in the middle of my storm right now. I want you to just raise your hand. Don't worry about who's in front of you, who's behind you, just between you and Jesus. Just raise your hand and say, God, I need that. I desperately need that calmness in my storm. Okay. I want to invite you to just pray with me as you just accept the invitation from Jesus. Father God, I need your peace. You can say that with me. I need your peace. I've been striving to do this thing on my own. And I've come to the end of myself. And I repent for my sins. I ask that you would forgive me. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, the God-man, the Superman. And I ask that you would save my soul. Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing this song. I asked them to play a song that we played earlier in the service. It's called Here Again. And I want you to Here's the lyrics are, are this not for one moment was I forsaken and then it says this the Lord is in this place this is what I want you to do and I want to encourage you for those of you maybe you maybe you know Christ maybe you know you've been in the Lord for a while but you're in the midst of a storm I want you to prophetically take an opportunity today as we sing this song to prophetically proclaim over your situation that the Lord is in this place not not this room not next to you. I'm saying in the place, the storm that you're currently in, proclaim prophetically over him, God, you are there. You're in the boat. You're in this place. And I'm recognizing you here. And I'm seeing you here. And I'm not putting my trust in the storm. I'm putting my trust in the God who is with me in the middle of the storm. You are in this Matthew 10, 28, the message paraphrase says this. It's not going to be up on the screen. I love how it's written. It says this, save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body and soul in his hands. We trade our fears for fear. So I want to encourage you as you prophetically do that, 
whether you want to come over to the sides, you want to kneel down, you want to come up here at the front and just proclaim into the middle of your storm, God, you are in this place. And I place it before you and I trust you, the God who is with me. Let's worship together.